0: Welcome to the Rob's Discovery Podcast, where I, Rob Handy, will be talking about life here at the two and a half acre wood, my own one hectare forest garden homestead situated on the northern slopes of the Mendip Hills in Somerset, southwest England. Surrounded by lush forests and trickling brooks, this oasis of biodiversity and abundance was founded in 2011. Each episode of this podcast touch on all things permaculture, with subjects ranging from perennial vegetables for the smaller garden to the benefits of balanced beekeeping. In this episode, as the year slides into April and springtime finally dawns upon the muddy English landscape, I return to the forest garden for the first time after eight months, after temporarily abandoning it back in August 2022. But what happens to a forest garden when you don't maintain it for eight months? What has been lost? What has thrived and what has survived? Join me to find out on this 44 minute adventure through the living soundscape of my waterlogged two and a half acre agroforestry plot. If you'd like to learn more about my life here on the homestead, then please do visit my YouTube channel, also called Rob's Discovery where you'll find a host of heartwarming videos in which I document the process of creating the forest garden whilst discovering the bounty of nature within my plot and the surrounding countryside. Incidentally, if you're interested in seeing the video accompaniment to this episode of the podcast, then you can find it there, on the aforementioned YouTube channel, Rob's Discovery. It has the same title as this podcast, The Neglected Forest Garden, and if you watch it, Get a better idea of what I'm talking about today by actually being able to see it. On a hill, near a wood, where nobody when goes, up a track, track, through a gate, the food forest grows with, with, secrets, with secrets and treasures time. for everyone's pleasure, and roles discover, roles discovery. Welcome back to the forest garden, and especially especially big welcome back to me. That's right, because I've not been living here for quite some time, and I'm still not actually. I've spent very, very little time here over the last eight months. The last time I did any work whatsoever here in the garden was August. It's now April the 2nd, and it has been nearly 12 years since I first started living here on site, setting up the garden. It has been, as I said, eight months since I've done any work here whatsoever. It has been six years to the day since I made my first Rob's Discovery video and it has been ten years almost to the day since I planted my very first tree here. And that was a little seedling that my dad planted from an acorn and he gave it to me for my thirtieth birthday. I'm giving away my age now. Would you like to see it. This mighty oak 10 years old. This is a little update to show you what happens to a garden, specifically a forest garden in this case, when it is neglected for eight months. It's a very low maintenance garden anyway, and it's almost completely self-sustaining, but it's a very interesting experiment well, the whole thing is an experiment, a 12 year long experiment so far. It's not over yet, but it's very interesting to see what happens when you do nothing for eight months, what has thrived and what has not. I mean, the garden is mature enough so that most of the symbiotic relationships are taking place between the trees and the plants. And the main element of maintenance is mowing the grass paths, which those lazy geese are supposed to do, well, they do do a marvelous job. They just mow a lot more than they should, hence why they are now confined within Jurassic Park, delineated by this electric fence that runs around all the important specimens within the garden in like a big light bulb shape. So the geese have access right around the access path round the outside where all the meadow areas are, but they cannot get into this big light bulb shape in the middle here. So you can see that this is all beautifully goose mown grass and incidentally three hungry geese eat as much as one sheep although the grass isn't that lush yet, so I do give them a scoop of mixed grain every day, which they're very much looking forward to. And this is the grass they haven't munched and it's just starting to grow again now. I've come back here today to actually do some work and kickstart the gardening year with something that should have been done last summertime, but I've left it to the very last moment and that is, we're standing in the wrong place for this, strimming, or brush cutting, or whippoor-snippering, depending where you're from, the meadow areas. This is something I've talked about before, but just to reiterate, the forest garden has a band of natural wildflower meadow round the outside, which has myriad benefits I don't need to go on about the benefits of a wildflower meadow. I can if you'd like me to. But what needs to happen is because wildflower meadows would naturally be grazed by migrating herbivores, because it's managed by people now, well, i.e. me in this case, needs to be artificially grazed by brush cutting it and removing all the herbage so that this thatch of dead grass and other foliage doesn't suppress all the wildflowers that are about to push back up through at any moment. So that's today's job. Well, not all of it, but to begin it. But not having been here for so long, the other really important thing is the the man-made structures, i.e. the kitchen yurt, and the shepherd's hut bedroom over there were getting, or indeed are, extremely damp. So I've just spent the last two hours taking or baling all the water that's accumulated in the wood-burning stoves, gathering dry kindling and sticks and lighting good hot fires to dry them out. Fortunately, the mice haven't moved into the yurt thanks to this gauze I've buried around the outside to stop mice and they can't climb into the roof because of these flower pots so the mice can't get into there. The yurt still smells fresh fortunately because it's so well built but it was getting damp so I've lit a good hot fire here lots of water had to come out of that before I lit the fire and the the beautiful squirrel more so multi-fuel stove was at the risk of rusting but i caught it just in time i still have been collecting the the eggs from from the the poultry these are chicken eggs these are um from are They from black rocks it's a silky egg little bantam egg three duck eggs goose egg first of the season, laid last week, and I did actually salvage some pumpkin seeds from one of the rotting pumpkins to dry out and plant, well quite soon hopefully. The cider is still sitting there from where I pressed the apples back in August that was. I did manage to salvage a few lemons from the greenhouse after it blew down. I've used most of them but those are the forgotten lemons. Oh dear. Yep, that's all the mashua. It started to sprout. That needs to go back in the ground. But apart from those few things, I've done no work here. So I have done a little bit, actually. I did harvest the... Oh, where are the potatoes gone? I harvested some potatoes, and the mashua, and the lemons, and a few pumpkin seeds, and collected some eggs. yeah so first thing today is to get these fires lit so there's the oh look at that look at that smoke i don't know if you can see it but the smoke is blowing to the south so there must be a north wind today which usually indicates snow or very cold weather nine times out of ten well 19 times out of 20 the wind blows from the south here, off the Severn Estuary, over the Mendip Hills, down into the garden, but it's blowing from the north, which is partly what these tall poplar and birch trees are about, as a north windbreak just there. And you can see that the fire burning in the shepherd's hut. Yeah, the smoke, the smoke's going to the north. Very unusual. I'll show you around the garden in a moment. Let's just go into the hut first, see if the fire is going okay. That's all the water I was bailing out. Most of it got on the floor. Ah, oh, it's nice and warm in here. It's pretty cold outside today. Hello, Kelsifer. Yeah, that'll do for now. Okay, back to the garden, but perhaps a quick word on the animals first. What has happened to all the animals? Well, I keep saying I haven't been here for eight months, but I actually have been here to do those few little jobs that you saw in the yurt, the potatoes, mashua, lemons, pumpkin seeds and collecting the eggs, but I have been coming here twice a day at dawn and dusk to tend to the animals, to let the ducks and chickens out and then put them away at dusk and give them supplementary food and water and collect any eggs. But because my presence here is now, well, very little, unfortunately all the ducks apart from one very lucky drake have been eaten, 16 ducks have been eaten. The one drake i've given to my mum so he holds the line he holds the family line of the khaki campbells and those three duck eggs in there i suspect they're fertile so as soon as i have access to a broody chicken i'm going to slip them underneath her and try and restart the flock of khaki campbells to repopulate the garden again Uh, the chickens i'm not sure if it was a stoat or a weasel but i wasn't here and my mum was looking after the chickens and they all got eaten well, not completely but killed um all apart from two remaining chickens that were found huddling in a corner uh, one of them was chamomile the white silky so christina who the chickens came from if you're hearing this for the first time sorry you had to hear it through a video not from me but licorice yeah licorice is gone licorice the silky and I'm not sure if I posted a public video, or if it was just for my patron, Patrons on the Telegram group, but also uh, one of the geese got killed as well. The big vicious um, male, the gander, uh, called Beulah, named after my grandmother. He sacrificed himself fighting off a fox. I actually have video footage of that so if if I haven't included it already somewhere I I will in an upcoming video. So there are now just three geese left in the garden. It's very quiet without all the ducks and chickens and these are quite subdued because that was their main entertainment. They need a lot of stimulation do geese so the ducks and chickens were their entertainment and they don't see me very much at the moment although they will do again soon as I do more and more work here as the as the we're now as we're now in the, in the gardening season. Hello. Would you like your daily scoop of grain yet? Would you? Okay, maybe in a minute. Well, definitely in a minute. So the garden. What happens to a forest garden, or specifically my forest garden, when you do nothing for eight months? I suppose six of those eight months well at least three of them have been deep winter so nothing's been growing anyway but for the rest of them they've been quite warm and wet and things have been growing and even though it's now 13 minutes into the video to put it simply anything above knee height has absolutely thrived so things like well The trees and the shrubs and the vines, of which, well, they're mostly at that end. So trees and shrubs and vines have absolutely thrived. Well, and the mushrooms have done very well as well, actually. And the bees. Yeah, so, so trees, shrubs, vines, mushrooms, bees and some of the hardiest perennial vegetables have absolutely thrived. And what has not thrived, anything below knee height in which the grass can ingress into the beds and swamp it. So it sort of found its natural balance. And this year, I don't think I'm even gonna bother with any annuals. I'm just gonna try and maintain and save what I have and then start again next year in 2024 with trying to get the ground layer reestablished again and maybe not not going too over the top because before I boasted that I had about 440 edible species growing. And now after neglect and geese and all sorts, there's probably more like 280. But the 280 species that are growing, I know will do really well here without any extra care or maintenance. So the things that have survived Well, all the trees and shrubs and vines and mushrooms. Licorice, yet to be seen, yet to be seen. I think it's okay. Licorice is okay. Tree collards, my favorite, tree kale. Cuttings everywhere, they are doing fantastically. And I shall eat some this very day and make some more crisps, I expect. Mm, Salt and pepper and a bit of olive oil in the oven. Lovely. Cardoons, the cardoons are coming back. They're doing well. As I say, all the shrubs are doing well. All the berry bushes, all the spice bushes. What's that? That's a Californian allspice budding beautifully. Ah, the almond blossoms are back. Oh, yeah. eucalyptus needs a severe coppicing. I keep coppicing it right down to two-thirds height and it just keeps growing again and again. It's shadowing the solar panels on the yurt at the moment. But because I'm not here I'm not really using much electric so it's fine. The perennial leaks are unstoppable. In fact these have spread from over there in the last year. That's the mother clump and they've spread over there. Oh, Babington's Leeks. You've made a comeback. Well done, Babington's Leeks. As have the Welsh Onions. The grass doesn't seem to bother them whatsoever. Nettles, I haven't intentionally planted them there, but they are ever so useful. Love nettles. The creeping borage, that's out competing the grass wonderfully. What's that? I didn't plant that. Looks good though. It is absolutely fascinating how what one needs health-wise and medicinally usually turns up in your garden just when you need it although we often don't have the wisdom to look for it and even if we find it don't know what to do with it but we've got a lot of invisible help and if we if we seek we find i'm finding that increasingly more so So many things here i haven't planted but they've just turned up just at the right time ah the sweet clumping edible bamboo well done yep, globe artichoke oh and a few of the mashua i didn't dig up they're coming back as well Although many don't consider them a true perennial, I would put them in the class, like potatoes, as a replant perennial. So you dig them all up, eat what you want, about two thirds or a half of them, or even more actually, and then you replant what you haven't eaten in the spring to start again. Although I think they're a true perennial because you never dig them all up and they always sprout back out the ground again, so like okra, mashua, yakon, potatoes. All those other really useful carbohydratey, wintry rooty crops. This is the demonstration garden. It's mostly annuals, but they were all beautifully companion planted. This one here and this one here. It's difficult to see what's what because it's so overgrown. I was going to do and still will do a special video about this demonstration garden because people come here and look at this two and a half acre plot and they say, oh, it's great having 500 edible species growing on this two acres and everything, but I've I've only got a 20 foot by 30 foot little suburban town garden. What can I possibly grow? So I've taken 50 of the most reliable and best specimens that grow in the plot and I've planted them all in little guilds, I've companion planted them in this 20 foot by 30 foot garden. It's a mixture of annuals and of perennials but it's very interesting how probably half of what I ate last year came from this little garden and the other half came from the rest of the garden which is huge. However, in terms of time, this garden took about half my time tending to it. The planting the seeds and the plant potting up, the planting out, the watering, the weeding, the watering, the weeding, then the, the harvesting and all the, the neediness. Yet about half of the produce came from this small patch. So and it's mostly annuals, so that just goes to show annuals versus perennials both are worth it it just depends how much space you have and how much effort you want to put in you can easily feed yourself or a family from a a small small plot but it just takes a lot more work so in terms of square footage you get a lot more yield from from annuals but then perennials once they get established take a lot less maintenance but you need more space i mean there are other advantages and disadvantages too like perennial vegetables or, or perennial plants generally have a high nutrient content because they have more time to establish their roots and the roots go deeper searching for more minerals and they, they accrue more and they're often a lot lot hardier and also they, there's, there's seldom a glut. There's always something throughout the year because they have different flowering and fruiting and harvesting times whereas annuals on the whole it's sort of September isn't it when you dig them all up or pick them all and then have to, to process them and store them. But that's that's putting it quite basically. But I've used the keyhole bed method where there's like a, a crescent of soil around the outside and then again like a keyhole shape that you stand in in the middle which means you never have to step on any of the beds because if you step on a bed then it's just wasted space. You might as well have a path there. So this is supposed to be quite efficient. So there's like a double keyhole shape there and there but it's interesting what has survived. I planted this garden exactly one year ago as well. It was in April last year, 2022. As I said, 2022, it's exactly 22 minutes and 22 seconds now, the video. The garlic has thrived. Garlic, very good companions for this dwarf apple tree and a cherry tree. There's even a wild apricot there as well. It's amazing what you can get in a small garden. There's a lot I didn't plant, like this pennycress or landcress or hairy bittercress as it's called. This is fantastic. It's got vitamin, vitamin A and K and C, I believe. Very calcium rich. Lots of iron. That just grows everywhere. It's fantastic stuff. Oh, the goosegrass. I need more goosegrass in my life. <laughs> What's that, geese? You do too? Okay, I'll bring you some goosegrass, they're always after goosegrass, hence its name. But it's it's quite um, popular knowledge. But I did feature it in my botanical coastal foraging video, the one with the horse box. But this time of year especially, it's really good to make a cold brew of goosegrass, soak it in spring water overnight or for twelve hours, and then drink that that melony tasting concoction, and it's so good for just clearing you out it clears your kidneys and all your I was going to say all your, your fuel system but I'm thinking your vehicles now but it, yes it's really really good for you and I shall be doing that later today and for the next few days just cleansing myself with with goosegrass cold infusion water other names for goosegrass sticky willy um uh, yeah cleavers uh, sticky buds and other things too Sun gold tomatoes, the tomato that just keeps on giving. I had so many this year and I made so much tomato sauce that I'm still eating to last the winter. Is that dog barking in the distance getting to you too? It's making my ears spin a little bit. Let's move to the south. Maybe the sound will be a bit more distant then. Yeah, sunflowers, melons, Anyway, I can talk more about companion planting in depth at some point, but this was absolutely thriving. Oh, what's that that's made it? What's that? Did I plant those? Oh, the onions. I completely forgot to harvest the onions. There they are amongst the docks and nettles. Oh, the Skrozona has made it. I've never harvested this. I believe you eat the roots. That's a perennial. And that was a very good companion to the onions and other stuff. Anyway, I've got to move away from that dog barking. And around the outside of this particular annual garden were all the currant and berry bushes. There's a josterberry and a blackcurrant, some eliagnuses for good measure, because they're brilliant nitrogen fixers. And you get a berry crop, depending which version of eleagnus it is. You get a springberry or an... An autumn berry, and lots of flowers, very good for pollinators and the bees. And a rogue buddleia. I don't remember planting that, but um. well, it's turned up. I'm happy to leave it. This is pretty much established and finished. There's the, the fertility powerhouse at the forest garden. There are many of these. The Italian red alder, the ultimate nitrogen fixer. There's another one over there. Japanese plum or loquat and of course the the logan berries they've gone berserk oh I get such a good crop from these yep and as every Sunday now someone has started a chainsaw over there so we got a dog barking to the north I know whose dog it is actually you just let them out to bark and bark and bark and actually i'm one to talk because in a minute i'm going to be doing some strimming with my petrol brush cutter so there's going to be a lot of noise in a minute so i'll be i'll be adding to the noise pollution although i do try and keep it to a minimum and not on a sunday but you know, needs must in this case i am slowly becoming battery powered with the tools i've got many battery powered power tools now but i thought i might as well get the get the most of life out of the petrol strimmer whilst i I got it. Rosa Ragosa. Yeah, a really good crop of rose hips. Ow! (laughs) Silly me. Spiky spiky. Loganberry's tripping me up. Ah, the sweet Sicily. I thought the chickens had finished that off. One, oh, oh, it smells divine. Well, I won't go around all 280 plants, but um, it just gives you an overview of, of what's worked and what hasn't. So I, this is now a half an hour video. I could have just said, when the forest garden is left, the grass takes over and anything above grass height is fine. Anything below grass height mostly dies unless it's really well established, like the few things I just showed you there. That sums it up. You don't have to watch the whole half hour video now. Pear blossom. Oh yeah. Siberian pea shrubs. It's a Lonicera, it's a honey berry. Honeyberries. berries oh, it's going to be an apple a year again the apples are coming back oh, I can't work out whether oh there we are hello buddy Daffodils. It must be April. Is that a buzzard? No. Is it a kestrel? Don't know. Have a look in a minute. My favourite scent in the world. Apricot blossom. Oh yeah. There are three apricot trees here. There is one rogue apricot, that's a wild apricot. I dug up a sucker from from Dr. Tony, a man I was working for down in Wivaliscum. He has the most beautiful ap- apricot tree in his polytunnel, but it's a grafted one. There's a rootstock and then there's a, a graft, which is why he gets such good fruit. But I dug up a sucker that he wanted digging out where it spread and then year after year I tried to, well I did, I took a cutting from the top half of the tree, is it a scion or a scion, I forget how you say it, to graft onto the rootstock. But it died each year, however the rootstock, which is some wild spike apricot, has thrived, and there it is. It does give good fruit, but it's not the same as the cultivated variety, if I were to have grafted it correctly. Oops. And then there's this, this is also an apricot tree that I bought, but the top has died and the graft has grown. So I'm not sure what variety the rootstock was, but it hasn't given fruit yet, but the smell. That's wonderful. I'm not sure it's gonna do so well outside because they do prefer a lot of shelter. This colony of honeybees is doing extraordinarily well and when it was sunny the other day they were flying and collecting blossom um, a nectar and pollen, uh, mostly from the hazel catkins. A really good source of early protein for them. I don't think the bees in the wari hive have made it. I daren't open it yet just in case, just in case they have. I don't want to give them a blast of cold air in case they're just hanging on in there. Raspberries, raspberries always do well, especially especially if you let them move around as they like to do. <laughs> Rhubarb, I forgot all about you. I've not seen you for a year. Oh, you're so ready for harvesting yes look at those tender long red stalks they are wonderful i think there's a rhubarb fool on the cards just need some light stewing maybe with a little bit of brown sugar and then liquidize it up with some cream oh yeah keep talking okay well that's what i'm doing today isn't it It makes me a bit sad to come down here and see the greenhouse that blew away in the wind, that magnificent geodome, the geodesic dome greenhouse. It looks like the lemon trees haven't made it, the avocados haven't made it, nor the mangoes, nor the pineapples. The grapevines look okay as does the peach tree. It's about to come out with fine pink blossoms. At least I won't have to remember to open the door of the greenhouse this year to let the bees in to pollinate it because it's out in the open. Will we get peaches? Time will tell. And the mint that I'd grown around the outside as a companion plant for lots of the specimens in here It has broken the bounds and also destabilised the bank. It has broken the bounds of the greenhouse and it has escaped into the garden. So when will it stop? Who knows? I saw some frog spawn in these bathtubs the other day. These officially have the swamp potatoes or the broadleaf arrowheads in them and they should still be in there. But where's that frog spawn? The ducks aren't here, so they wouldn't have eaten it like caviar like they normally do. Oh, where's that water coming from? Well, there's been such biblical rain recently, it could have sprung up from anywhere. Ah, The Taunton Dean Kale, the perennial kale looks good lots of things. Oh, the stitchwort. Look at that stitchwort. A fine ground cover companion for anything brassica based. Oh, it's going to be a very cherry plum year as well. Look at that cherry plum blossom. This is really just a soft fruit garden, really. All soft fruit has done spectacularly without any effort whatsoever, apart from planting it. We'll come up to 35 minutes. Have you seen enough? Yeah, that's probably long enough. Let's give the hungry geese some grain. Then I'll actually get on and do some strimming. Brush cutting the meadows before it rains. Hello. Pepper tree looks good. Alright hissers, alright. Don't have a hissy fit supposed to laugh, that was a joke. Come on then, here you go. Hello. No? Not hungry? (laughs) Maybe the grass is lusher than I thought. They normally come running for that. Or maybe they're just giving me the silent treatment because I've neglected them for so long. That's the sort of thing geese would do. Especially these geese. (coughs) Alright, well, once again, Plum Blossom. Oh. Once again, thank you very much for watching. See you before too long. Have a beautiful springtime. And... Oh, horses! That wasn't to you. I, I've, I've seen the ponies, I've seen some horses. Horses to you too! <laughs> Oh, and kiwi vines to you too. Oh yeah. These are the two female kiwis. Hello. Hello. I don't have carrots today. That was just yesterday. Amber, hello, all right. Hello, hello, oh yes. I know. Hello, 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 Charlie. <laughs> hello, hello, <laughs> all right, hello. Mm. Mm. Nice to see you too. Well, I best tend to that fire as well. No bees in there, sadly. This is the male kiwi vine growing up a lime tree and he is supposed to pollinate those two females on the fence but it's been nine years and not a single kiwi fruit in sight so I don't think he's doing his job properly. This was the last project I was working on back in September before I abandoned the garden. This is going to be the, I've been calling it the snack shack or the snack cave. What's it really called? A root cellar. It's going to have straw bale lime rendered walls sitting on this, this raised, um, stone wall on the outside. It's always said with straw bale building, it needs a good, It needs a good hat and good boots. So it's got a good hat in terms of the at least one foot overhang of roof all around the outside. That's going to have a waterproof membrane over it. And then that soil, all that turf is going back on the roof again. And it's got good boots, a good dry wall to keep it off the ground. And it's going to have circular shelves inside. And this is where all the annual produce will be stored for over the winter. I haven't had to store anything before really because of going down the perennial route where I could just forage for things throughout the winter as and when they're needed. But because I've decided to grow more annuals next year just due to their reliability and, well, because I know about them really, well, and other reasons, I've decided to go down the traditional annual and then storing things in the root cellar route (laughs) <laughs> root cellar roots I said goodbye about 10 minutes ago, didn't I? I'm still talking. Um, OK, time to tend to that fire. They still haven't touched that grain. Take off my boots. Nice ash log. Ash is always good. Give it some air, that'll be roaring. Roaring hot in a few seconds. Okay. Bye again. Bye. Where's the button? Who's got the button? Stop button. I can't get get to grips with these newfangled devices. <laughs> okay. Ah, there it is. Okay. Bye thank you very much for listening and see you next time. A beautiful day to you. Bye-bye.